0: there. How you all doing this week? People still sick? Anybody still sick? Getting a little bit of it out? Be cast out in Jesus' name. Anybody that's at home that's still sick, I just pray that God, you would remove that sickness, you would remove that illness, that um, in the name of the Spirit, in the name of the Jesus, that it would be removed and that we would be able to celebrate this spring together, going out and wandering about in this beautiful country. Um, we praise you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Um, so we are on the series, A Road Less Traveled. This series is, is, is really looking at Jesus and that road that he took, but it's also looking at the road that we can take as we follow Jesus. Um, you see many times it talks about the, the narrow gate or, or the, the narrow path. That there's, there's that wide path that leads to destruction. There's that narrow path that leads uh, to salvation, and um, this is coming from that, um, that idea of the, that I got from um, that Robert Frost poem of the road less traveled. Um, it's such a beautiful thought, and, and that idea of going hiking and being able to you know, take that road less traveled uh, um, to, to go and see the beauty that maybe not everybody got to see, it, it lends so well to our walk with Jesus, doesn't it? Doesn't it? Um, I, this last week I got the opportunity to go on a hike, um, to the top of Saddle Rock. And that, that'll, that'll really kick you. Um, I did this right at the, the, the first day that I was feeling really good from, after being sick. And you know, that's the day you don't do that because your lungs go, "Uh uh-uh, phlegm starts coming up about halfway up and you have to kind of tell whoever you're with just like, Let's wait for like half an hour till I recover. We're just by the parking lot, Jeremy, so um, (laughs) you sure you want to do this? (laughs) Um, This this morning, uh, the title is The Entrance. Um, we've been talking about um, just single words that just kind of have popped out of this story, out of the story of Jesus. And the entrance was the word that came out for me, um, the triumphal entry that we, we talk about. Um, and I've heard it said, you know, you've probably heard this said, that it's um, you, uh, you can never get a second chance to make a first impression. You really never can, right? I feel like I got one of those like really odd opportunities to get a second a second time in, in, of a first impression because I came in and interviewed and then I was gone for a while and six months later I come in and I preach and I got a chance to do that first impression again. But that's not the norm, is it? Generally, when, when you meet somebody for the first time, you kind of make a judgment about them, don't you? It's not, it's not like the cool thing about humanity, right? We, we make judgments about people. We, uh, and that settles in our head and, and sometimes it might be the wrong impression, of that person. And even when we see that they do something contrary to that, it takes us a while to get that out of our heads. I see them like this, but they're acting like this. So they're contrary to that, not that that first impression was contrary. Boy, I'm just going babbly here. Um, you now people are like, I just don't know where he's going. We may or may not be able to overcome that first impression, but... Um, But I believe it's harder to overcome a lack of care and love for others. If we show a lack of care and we show a lack of love, man, that's a first impression that is really hard to overcome. Now, you may have like that hangry moment where you haven't eaten and and you meet somebody for the first time and you kind of blow it. Anybody else done that before? I mean, I, there are times where my blood sugar is kind of low and I and, and and somebody's like, hey, meet this person. Ah, okay. Hi. Right. You know, and and you, you can't get over that, right? Because it's showing a lack of care. Showing that you don't really care for that person, even just to care to, to meet him. Today we celebrate the triumphal entry of Jesus going into Jerusalem. Now, um, this is such an after the fact kind of naming of the event because it wasn't really a triumphal entry, was it? It may have looked like that because people doing Hosanna and celebrating and you know but but these are the same people that these are the same people that were were crying crucify him a week later, less than a week later. So was it really triumphal when he came in? The real triumph was the death and resurrection of Jesus, wasn't it? The real triumph is going to be when he comes again. And when we're saying, Hosanna, praise be, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, when we get to that point, that is triumph. But the first part of this week, I don't know that it was a triumph. I mean, I think the people missed the point. Jesus was presenting himself as a sacrifice. When he came in on, on that donkey, he was presenting himself as the sacrificial lamb. People thought that Jesus was going to line up with their expectations. We do that, don't we? we? We want people to line up with our expectations. We want things to line up with our expectations. We want to we be able to get the same kind of coffee at that coffee cart every time. So we almost always ask for the same person to make it, right? I'm thinking of my mother-in-law. She knows, she knows all the people in her coffee cart so well that she gives them um, Christmas presents and birthday presents. Um, they love her very much, and she gets the coffee she wants. So, yeah, yeah. Knows them all by name. She had, actually, uh, the thing that threw me was I found out this last time that they're all Facebook friends because they saw pictures of Kelly and Zoe and I, and they're like, oh yeah, Zoe, how's Zoe doing? And you're just like, Wow, you come here a lot. <laughs> well, let's turn um, real quick here. We're going to look at this. In Mark chapter 11, maybe turn it up, right side up. And 1 through 10, it says this. Whew. And they went away and found a colt tied at a door outside in the street, and they untied it. And some of those standing there said to them, what are you doing untying that colt? Um, And they told them uh, what Jesus had said, and they let them go. And they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their cloak on it and sat on it, and he sat on it, and many spread their cloaks on the road, and and others um, spread leafy branches, that they had cut from the fields, and those who went before and those who followed were shouting, "Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of uh, of our Father David. Hosanna in the highest." Now, this is a this is a prophecy. This is fulfilling prophecy about Jesus from Zechariah nine nine. It um, and, and you'll see that up here, but it, it's that um, Jesus would come on a colt, on a donkey. Um, He was coming in as king, but the concept of his kingdom was way off what they expected. Jesus entered in in on a donkey to show the nature of his kingdom was so much different. The act of coming, um, the entering in is from uh, from the Hebrew word bow, Um, not like bow, bow in Hebrew, um, meaning to come, to enter, to be presented. And Jesus was being presented. Kind of tied up in a bow, I guess. You know that Jesus entered Jerusalem three times that week? We always think about that, that first entry. But he entered, those first three days, he entered in to Jerusalem, and all of those entries were important. We're going to talk about that this morning. Um, we celebrate the first, and the other two days matter um, too, um, and they speak to how, Jesus, how we celebrate Jesus' kingdom. This, this matters how we celebrate. Um, and, and I have a couple songs that kind of came to mind when I was going through this, this, um, this part. And I, our, our first point is this We celebrate freedom. Yes, this is a hindsight, looking back at Jesus' entry. But we celebrate freedom. There's a song, uh, I don't know if you've heard this on the radio recently, or um, I don't think we've done it here yet, but it's a song um, called No Longer Slaves. And there's a line that goes, I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God. I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God. It's such a beautiful, beautiful thought. It's such a beautiful fact. This is a fact. I mean, people might say, oh, that's a theory. No, no, this is a fact. As a child of God, we face this, this release from fear, this release from um, that grip of slavery, the slavery to fear. It's freedom. Right, God, God's love casts out fear. That perfect love casts out all fear. Mark eleven twelve through nineteen says, "On the following day, so the next day, this is after that entry, when they um, came from Bethany, he, wa- he was hungry." And it's talking about Jesus. He was hungry, and seeing in the distance a fig tree and leaf. He went to see if he could find anything on it. When he came to it and found nothing but leaves, for it was not the season for figs, and he said to it, may no one ever eat fruit from you again. And his disciples heard that. And they came to Jerusalem, and he entered the temple and began to drive out those who sold and those who bought in the temple. And he overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold pigeons. And he would not allow anyone to carry anything through the temple. And he was teaching them and saying to them, it is, uh, is it not written, my house shall be called a house of prayer for all the nations, but you have made it a den of robbers. The freedom that we experience is in being free to commune, to, to communicate directly with the God of the universe. They didn't have that freedom. The Old Testament, they didn't have that freedom. There was, there was somebody that was going and doing that on their behalf. Anyone that says that there is an intermediary between you and God, other than Jesus, is lying, is speaking falsely because we can speak directly to Jesus. Jesus. Any pastor that says that is wrong. Any faith that says that is wrong. If they say that you you have that direct access to Jesus, it is right, it is true. It is the word of God. Our second thing that we celebrate is we celebrate transformation, that transformative nature. And you guys remember this song, "Created Me a Clean Heart, right? create in me a clean heart oh god and renew a right spirit within me create in me a clean heart oh god and renew a right spirit within me oh God, renew a right spirit within us. We cry out for transformation. We don't like change. Change is not fun. But our spirits cry out for transformation. We want to constantly be transformed into the likeness of Christ, don't we? We're following after him to become more like him and less like us. Less like that nature that has fallen. Does that make sense? We still have our own personalities, but, but we're becoming more like Jesus and less like the world. And when that world has a grasp on us, the only thing that is our saving grace is Jesus. It's holding on to Jesus so that we can be transformed, made new, Mark 11, 20 through 25 says, as, as they passed by in the morning, they saw the fig tree. The fig tree from the day before. The fig tree was withered away to its roots. And Peter remembered and said to him, Rabbi, look, the fig tree that you cursed has withered. Now, this was this was very... Um, uh, it, it was good to notice. I mean, th- th- this was something that was like crazy uh, miracle-like thing to happen because to have it... Um, To wither to its roots would have taken a long time, but this is 24 hours later. It's withered to its roots. Rabbi, look, the fig tree that you cursed has withered. And Jesus answered them, have faith in God. Truly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be taken up and thrown into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes... Um, that what he says will come to pass, it will be done for him. Therefore, I tell you whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. And whenever you stand praying, forgive. For if you have um, anything against anyone, so that your Father also, who is in heaven, may forgive you your trespasses. We cry out for transformation, we pray for change, for healing. Redemption and the like. And Jesus says here that it can happen. It can happen. The third thing that we, we celebrate, is we celebrate connection, what a friend we have in Jesus. What a friend we have in Je- Jesus. Oh, I started a wrong key here. Somebody want to help me out here? Friend, we have in Jesus all our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. It really is a privilege, isn't it? It's a privilege to be able to take our friends and family in prayer to God. To to take people that, that don't know about Jesus in their lives, to take them to God in prayer. Family members, people that we love, to see their lives transformed. To see them have connection with the living God. Everything to God in prayer. We have a relationship with Jesus, right? A relationship. We can talk with Him. We can cry. We can can shout. We can can get angry and shake our fist because we have a relationship, right? We're not going to lose anything if we get angry or get frustrated or, or don't understand. I mean, look at the Psalms, right? You read through the Psalms, there's a lot of shaking fist prayers going on. God, I don't understand don't let me put, be put to shame, right? You hear this from time and time. Uh, the, I mean, two-thirds of the, of the Psalms are laments. So it's okay to have those times where you just don't understand. God, why? Why did that happen, had to, ha, have to happen to this kid? Why did you take them? Why, why, why does this person have to be sick? And why, why, when we pray for them, does it, do they not get healed? It's okay to have those feelings. Why didn't I get that job I wanted? <laughs> why, didn't, why didn't this person get that job that they wanted, that we prayed for? Why, why did these people, why did they never get pregnant? There's so many of those things that we just, it's okay if we get frustrated because you know what when we do and we 're honest with God and we have that connection with God and that relationship, when we ask those questions, God is going to answer us. Now sometimes the answer might be quiet or the answer might be no, or the answer might be just not this time. it doesn't work to my glory, right because all things are working. To his glory. And, it, and if that purpose of somebody being sick is to see more people's lives impacted, God is going to spend us. Remember, we've talked about this. God's economy is us. And there are times where he will spend us as he may. And there are people that I, I've seen gone through some horrible things that God spent them to see other people's lives impacted. That right there is the number one reason why the the whole euthanasia thing is against God's heart, right? To escape from something that you have to walk through. It's hard. It really is hard watching my dad pass over nine months. That was hard. There were some shaking fist prayers in there. Like, I only got to know him for about five years because I didn't grow up with him. I met him, and then he gets ALS, and then walk through all of that. But it was hard for a reason. There there are hard things in this life for our perfecting. We don't become perfect in this life, but it's for our perfecting as we go towards hanging with Jesus, right? But God's economy is us. He cares about what we care about. He hurts with us. You know, we're, we're called to, um, to mourn with those that mourn and to laugh with those that laugh. I mean, to celebrate with those that celebrate because this is how God is. That relationship with him when we're hurting and we're crying out, God, why? It's like, they're there. Come here. Let me pull you closer during this time. Does that make sense? Let's set our things aside here this morning. This is a celebratory time in the church, but it's also a